do you ever have the feeling that this cannot be it? That there must be more than this. That what we experience as normal is anything but normal. That the creation that God made is intended to be so much more than what we've so far experienced. That I think there is this sense of, in, in most people uh, across the planet, that uh, the best is yet to come. There's this longing for God to make all things new. There's this hunger for eternity, uh, which many of us generally call, as we think about eternity, many of us call that going to heaven when we die, um, which we'll think about that in a moment. But this heavenly hope is so vital, yet it's also so misunderstood. So here's a few examples of that. Uh, the atheist philosopher Bertrand Russell said, heaven is simply an emotional reaction to the fear of death. President Ronald Reagan, you can like this one, said, when we get to the gates of heaven, we'll find them guarded by US Marines. <laughs> so Christian nationalism at its best there. Um, Mark Twain, heaven goes by favor. If it went by merit, you would stay out and your dog would go in. <laughs> and then C.S. Lewis at the end of the final Narnia story the last battle, who's read the Narnia stories? okay, some of you have read those uh, here's this character freshly arrived in heaven saying, I have come home at last this is my real country I belong here, this is the land I've been looking for all my life though I never knew it till now come further up, come further in so how are we meant to understand this future hope. And if we turn to the Bible for our insight for us, our future hope isn't framed so much as about us going to heaven when we die. Instead, according to the Bible, uh, far more we're meant to focus on God bringing, to he bringing heaven uh, to a transformed earth and us partnering with him in its rulership. And this is the very essence of the, Christian me of the Christmas message, the incarnation uh, theologians call it, you know, so that God becomes human. Jesus is the God who is fully human and fully divine. And uh, he's 100% man while being 100% God. Jesus is the God-man who brought heaven to earth today. Jesus is God with us, revealing how we can walk uh, as children of God inviting us to join him and bring as many possible back into the family of God. And what this means is this. One of the consequences of the Christ, Christ, Christian Christmas message is that you and I, we have responsibilities. There, there's a big impact for us. We actually have responsibilities. And we are to join Jesus in bringing heaven to earth today as a foretaste of what we are going to experience in eternity. And when we think about that, it's important to ground our theology in what the Bible teaches. And I think a great place to start for that as we think about our expectations of eternity and heaven coming to earth is the two bookends of Scripture. So Genesis 1 and 2 and Revelation 21 and 22. Those four chapters, very short chapters overall, but they, they create the context of how it all begins. They give us the destination line of how it all turns out. And that helps us interpret everything in between. And so today, we're going to focus on Revelation 21. So if you've got a Bible on your phone or you've got a paper Bible, we're going to read a, a, a good chunk from Revelation 21. And I'm going to give you three insights from that text 
and then three practical outworkings that you can put into place in your lives this week about how you can bring heaven to earth this week, this month, and in 2022. So the first insight from this passage, and it's the longest one, so don't worry if I go long. I definitely promise to speak shorter than Pastor Brian does. So, <laughs> so that gives me about an hour and 20 minutes. Uh, so what we see here is the first thing we see is a renewed creation. So we're going to read uh, Revelation 21, beginning in verse 1. And it says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them uh, as as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So what we got here is this uh, picture of a new heaven and a new earth. And it's a renewed creation. It's a creation that reflects God's original creation, his original design, his intent before the fall messed it all up. And when we think about new heaven and new earth... That word new, uh, we need to understand what they're getting at there. It's not new so much is in time. What it's actually talking about is it's new in quality. So we could say renewed. So it's going to be of a quality beyond anything that we have experienced up to now. Uh, there's a marvelously named theologian called Eugene Boring. And <laughs> <laughs> he writes this. God does not junk the cosmos and start anew. He renews the old and brings it to fulfillment. He does not make all new things, but all things new. When, when, you see, when God renews something, he's so clever that what he manages to do is to make the renewed thing even better than the original thing, which is a wonderful picture of the gospel, that even when we mess stuff up, what God could do then, he can renew our lives and renew this creation so actually the outcome is even better than the original was. Um, which is just an incredible picture of God's goodness and kindness to us. Uh, Another theologian called Michael Gorman wrote this, The culture of the beast has been replaced by the culture of the lamb, a culture of death by a culture of life, a culture of insecurity by a culture of peace and trust. And in our text, we see this illustrated in verse 2, where it talks about this new city, this new city that comes down from uh, to us. And what we're meant to do when we hear that, we're meant to think back to the beginning. We're meant to think back to creation itself, uh, where God made a garden. And the boundaries of that garden, Adam and Eve, were commissioned to gradually expand, subduing the rest of the planet and bringing about God's good order. So we hear in Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. And this mandate over us was always intended to be a partnership between God and humanity. And it was for the benefit of the whole of God's good creation. Until, of course, we messed it up with the fool. And so we have this future hope. This future hope, which Revelation 21 speaks to, is that the whole of creation has been brought to fulfillment, under the, fully under the rule of God. There's a little um, 
thing there we, we often skip over. It says uh, in the second line on the screen, and the sea was no more. And in the Bible, the sea represents chaos. The sea represents disorder. The sea represents rebellion against God. So when it says the sea was no more, it's, it's a pictorial way of saying everything that's in rebellion to God's good order is now gone. Okay, that's what that's talking about there. And that is our future hope. And then we're meant to think, well, what changed it all? And the answer the, the whole book of Revelation gives us is that it's through the victorious work of Jesus that we think about his death and his resurrection and the, how we see there the consequences of sin are fully taken away through what Jesus does there. And by faith, we can be reunited with our loving uh, creator, heavenly father again. But more than that, through Jesus's birth and his ministry, Jesus shows us how to be humans living in partnership with God, our heavenly father. Jesus shows us how we get to that place. And we see in Jesus, when we think about the incarnation, we think about God being with us, we see a God who touches and he smiles and he hugs and he laughs and he drinks and he eats and he sweats and he poops and he gets rained on and, and the whole bundle of what it means to be human. He does, that's not, and I'm not saying the blasphemy, say, that's what Jesus does, all right? When you understand, that's what he is. Um, he is the God who kicks off his shoes to walk barefoot through the sand on a sunny summer's day. He's the God who delights in the warmth and the welcome of, of being with close friends. He's the God who, who tells tummy-bustingly funny, amazingly good jokes when we're with him. And he's such a joy to be with. And the thing is, this is so different from every other religion, every other philosophy, that we have a God who's fully God, creator and redeemer of everything, and yet he can come to be with us. And he can sit alongside you, and it would be both awe-inspiring, but also just the most wonderful experience. And you'd be so thrilled to be there. And Jesus' mission is this extraordinary combination of all these elements brought together there. And then we see that through Jesus' ascension and his, his going back into heaven and then the sending of his spirit, we are empowered to steward this glorious creation. One of the things I love about uh, th this text here in, Re in Revelation, as we read about what eternity is going to be like, we see the physical and the material nature of eternity. You know, our, our faith is not a disembodied one. So when we die, we aren't going to be just floating around on puffy clouds, playing harps, getting plump. That's not what heaven and eternity is meant to be about. And so breaking into view, we now have not just a garden, which is what we had in Genesis 1 and 2. Now we have a garden city. You see, it's us partnering with God and God partnering with us. God loves to partner with us. You know, he gives us things and opportunities and he's like, hey, I'd love to see, I'd love to see what you make of this. I'd, I'd love to see what you would do with the music today. He says, I'd, I'd love to see what you would want to do with the gifts that you've got in your life. God loves to do that. He, he's genuinely interested in partnership and our contribution to this. And this is a picture here of God's beautiful creation renewed, but also humanity's influence upon it the garden city. And so he's, he's fascinated by what we're going to do with his good creation. And when the effects of sin are taken away from that, uh, we have this sense of um, this, this God-given desire, this dream we have to form out of this world a place of community and culture where what we create is honoring to the goodness of God seen through his creation. 
And what we see in this passage, again, which we've got on the screen, is the defining characteristic of this new creation is the presence of God. It's the presence of God is there. It says there in the middle, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Um, Again, we see that first uh, experience through Jesus at his coming to be with us, which is what we obviously celebrate at Christmas time. But that's a, that's a foretaste of what eternity is going to be like. We dwell fully with God. We have the fullness of his relationship with us. And, you know, like in the creation narratives, uh, this is something which is simultaneously awe-inspiring and yet also intimately close. So we see in creation, God is awe-inspiring when he speaks, let there be light. And there was light. He's awe-inspiring as the judge of all. Straight before this passage, if you read the end of Revelation 20, he's talking about the final judgment. And then here, God is awesome as he reveals the new heavens, the renewed earth. And we go, wow, God, you're amazing. And yet at the same time, he's the God who kneels. And he gets in the dirt, and he forms you and me out of the dirt. And then he leans over and he, with a kiss, he breathes life into us. He's the God who comes intimately close with each one of us. And now here in this passage, we hear how God comes to us and he tenderly wipes the tears from our eyes, which represent pain and loss and suffering, which we experience in this world. You know, Jesus loves you that much. He's awesome. And he's tender and intimate, simultaneously. In verse 4, we, we hear about uh, the character of this new creation. There's that uh, marvelous phrase there. It says, uh, there will be uh, no more death, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. Uh, and I think when he's talking about Christ, no more negative tears is what, what it's talking about there. So everything that we know is wrong in the old order, in the fallen world, is now gone. Because he is making everything new again. So this is the renewed creation. This is the thing that should we hunger for, to which we look forward to. So we have a renewed creation, but also out of this passage, we see a renewed commitment. So let's read verses six through eight, and it says this. So uh, John hears, he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, and the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. That is the second death. So there's, there's, there's a couple of invitations here. So the first invitation is to those who are spiritually thirsty. And we are urged to drink from the water of life. And what that's reminding us is that salvation is the most wonderful of gifts. Jesus in John chapter 7 says this, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. So Jesus invites anyone and everyone to come to him to experience the free and full forgiveness of sins to enter into an eternal partnership with him in shaping and renewing all of creation. So that's the first invitation. And then the second invitation is actually to those of you who would think of yourselves already as believers. And what he's telling us is you're not just to coast into eternity. 
He's saying to us, we understood to maximize our impact for the expansion of God's kingly rule. Verse 7, those who are victorious will inherit all this. So there is a level of maturity and transformation that we are to actively move towards. And if we're honest, not everyone who is saved embraces this maturation process. There's quite a lot of people who, yeah, they're going to go to heaven when they die, but they've not made the most of what God has called them to do in this world. And I think it's a challenge for us. It's an invitation for us to say, let's, let's really make the most of what God has put into us. Um, to illustrate it, I had, a, I had a boss a number of years ago. When he, when he did reviews, annual reviews or whatever, he'd always, uh, one of the questions he would ask is, he would, and it was quite in your face, so he'd kind of go, are you still all in with our vision? But I think there's something good about that. I think Jesus wants to say to us, are you all in with my vision? Are you all in? Are you fully committed? Uh, and we can't just be 30% committed or 70% committed, or committed when it suits us, or committed when we won't have to sacrifice. Jesus wants us to be all in with him, not holding anything back. And one of the constant challenges issued by the book of Revelation is that we are to be all in for Jesus and for his kingdom. We can't live a compromised lifestyle. We can't say we follow Jesus, but show no sign of that in our everyday lives. We can't think we're fine and all set for eternity, but not have our hearts wrecked by the thought that any single person could possibly go to an eternity without God. We can't live like that. We have to have our hearts wrecked again by this understanding that faith is not just a personal blessing. We are blessed so that we can be a blessing. We are blessed so that as many people as we possibly can can experience this goodness of God as well. So we need a renewed commitment to Jesus. So we've got a renewed creation, a renewed commitment to Jesus, and thirdly out of this text, a renewed calling. So we go to the end of Revelation 21 in verse 22. And it says this, And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring it, so they will bring into it the glory and the honour of the nations." But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So a couple of things just to quickly note for you there. Firstly, we're told there is no temple in this renewed uh, heavens and earth. And what that's telling us is that our future is all about relationship. The prize is not a place. The prize is a person. Eternity is fundamentally a relational dynamic. We are called into a closeness with God, where we experience all the glory and the illumination that flow from his presence, and he wants to pour into our lives. And then the other thing I see in this text is that uh, every nation will experience this blessing. And this word nation uh, means, uh, it means, it could mean tribe or people group or culture. So it's not so much about current lines on maps as we see them today. In the Old Testament, the word nation meant the peoples who did not worship God. But now here what we see is this beautiful picture that in the renewed creation, every people group will be represented in worshipping Jesus. 
And note here that the best parts, and this passage references this, the best parts of every culture and nation will be part of their gift to God. So think about this. I, I, I think about eternity, and I imagine, wow, it's going to be incredible, the things we're going to benefit from. I mean, imagine the art. Imagine the architecture. Imagine the music. Imagine the new sports that are going to be there, or the food, or um, the values, or the stories, or the jokes, and so on and so forth. It's going to be so incredibly rich and diverse. It's going to be amazing. Now, Jesus' favorite sport is still going to be soccer, but nevertheless, it's still going to be amazing. Sorry about that. You know, anyway. Quick illustration of this. There's a woman called Jackie Pullinger, who is a young woman in the late 1960s, uh, felt God call her to be a missionary. And so she bought a ticket on a very rickety old boat that left England. I think she spent 10 10 pounds on it, so like $15. And she went and it stopped at a number of places around the world. She didn't know where God wanted her to serve. So every port she prayed, God, is this the place you want me to get off? The place eventually she felt called to get off was in Hong Kong. And back in the late 1960s, there was, um, it was not developed like it is today, and there was a massive uh, drug and gang triad culture, and particularly an area that doesn't exist in what's called the walled city. And it was a dark place. The police would not go in there. There was um, you know, tremendous bondage, so many people addicted to, to opium and so on. Um, but Jackie Pullinger, through her ministry there, she's helped thousands of people, thousands and thousands, to come off drugs through the power of the Holy Spirit. And um, uh, I know, I'm not going to chase that rabbit. I was going to say something else there. But she's seen transformation in numerous lives and has made this huge impact across the city of Hong Kong. She says this, I have spent over half my life in a dark, foul-smelling place because I had a vision of another city ablaze with light. It was my dream. There was no more crying, no more death or pain. The sick were healed, addicts set free, the hungry filled. There were families for orphans, homes for the homeless, and new dignity for those who lived in shame. I had no idea how to bring this about, but with visionary zeal imagined, introducing the walled city people to the one who could change it all, Jesus. And her story is amazing. You can read about this autobiography called Chasing the Dragon, which is a great kind of really inspiring read if you want to pick it up. So what we get out of this text is a renewed creation. There's a renewed commitment to Jesus And now there's a renewed calling about how we're going to live our lives. And this is all lovely, isn't it? But the question is, what difference does it make to our lives today, this week, 2022? And here's what I want to say to you. This changes everything. This view of an eternity where God renews the heavens and the earth This changes everything about how we're meant to live our lives today. And here's why. Listen to the words of Jesus. The time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. So the first words on Jesus' lips in Mark's gospel, he's saying, my eternal kingdom, which we're seeing pictured here, he's saying this is at hand. This is breaking into this world today through me, through Jesus. Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So here's the vision. In York, as it is in heaven. 
In York, as it is in heaven. In York, as it is in heaven. Say it with me. In York, as it is in heaven. Say it to your neighbor. In York, as it is in heaven. It's in my workplace as it is in heaven. It's in my high school as it is in heaven. It's in my neighborhood as it is is in heaven. It's in my soccer team as it is in heaven. And if you're a person of great faith, it's in my in-laws as it is in (laughs) heaven. So quickly, three things that you can do to bring heaven to earth this week in York. And they're going to be reveal the presence, recapture the urgency, and reach the nation. So the first one is this, reveal the presence. This is about revealing the presence of Jesus. The perpetual presence of God is the most significant aspect of what we talked about here in Revelation 21. And we're meant to carry the presence of Jesus with us everywhere we go. Not just when we scrub up and look nice to come into a church gathering, but throughout the week, in the good bits and also in the challenging parts of life. Because you carry the presence of Jesus. You have, if you are a follower of Jesus, you've been filled with God's Spirit. And yes, we leak, we need to keep asking Him to fill us, but His Holy Spirit is inside you. So what that means is this. Every day, we should be praying, Holy Spirit, would you come and fill me afresh? Ephesians 5.18. Keep on being filled. It's a present, continuous, present, passive, continuous, sorry, present, passive imperative. So it's present tense, keep on doing it. It's passive, it's done to us by God, but it's imperative, it's a command. You're meant to, in other words, you are meant to pursue God, say, God, would you fill me with your spirit? Daily. Hourly, if you need to. Say, God, fill me with your spirit so that I can represent you. And it's when you have to make decisions. It's when you're feeling stuck, when you're frustrated, when you're at the end of your tether, when you've got that incredibly annoying, difficult person you've got to deal with yet again. Say, God, would you fill me with your spirit so I can represent you well here? When you've got opportunities, when you have possibilities, Lord, fill me with your spirit so I can follow your wisdom and your guidance here. And then related to that, as we carry God's presence, we need to be listeners We need to be hearing the voice of God. So that means we have to be people who know how to pay attention to what the Spirit is saying. So it's as we read Scripture. Lord, is that, you know, that bit where God puts his Holy Spirit highlighter over a verse or a phrase. He says, this is for you today. This is for you this week. We need those moments. Uh, We need to be aware of the still, small voice that just whispers to us, says, here's how you need to behave here. Uh, and I, God has to do that to me an awful lot because I misbehave left to my own devices. Or maybe it's the little vision that comes into your mind's eye of what could be in this situation or in this conversation or that gut sense or so on. We have to learn to spot the slightest sound, sound or comment from Jesus. And also I'd say just in this uh, revelation piece, carrying the presence of God, we need to be people who are healers. We're called to be healers. So we heard in our our passage today, there's going to be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. Sickness is not part of eternity. Sickness is not part of eternity. Jesus hates cancer. In fact, Jesus hates cancer more than any of us do. Jesus hates all ill health. He hates death because it's not part of his good creation. So part of the future hope is that there is no more of those things. And whilst we can't fully escape their impact in this life, the downward drag of those things, but nevertheless, we are called as part of seeing heaven, seeing in York as it is in heaven. Part of that is that we carry that healing presence of God with us. We're told to heal the sick. So here would be the thought I'd have, which is what would it look like 
if York Alliance became known in the region as the place where the sick are healed? What would it look like if your home became known in your neighborhood as the house of healing? Where sick people come in and they get healing. What would it look like if you became known as the woman or man at work or at the gym or at the grocery store where if someone needs healing, they could come to you and you would pray for them and they'd get healing? Can you imagine what that would be like? The glory God would receive from that. And it's the breaking in of, of eternity into the present. It's an advance of the kingdom of God. And we'd love to see that. So let's reveal the presence. The second thing I think we can do this week is recapture the urgency of being a witness. Recapture the urgency of being a witness for Jesus. We must deeply desire to see the lost come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. And for many of you who've been a Christian a long time, the reality is this. You've lost that passion. Like, you're not really that bothered. Like, you kind of say you are. If I say, are you bothered? You go, yeah, all right, yeah, I am. But you're not really in reality in your lives. And we have to recapture the sense of urgency about this truth, that this is a matter of eternal life and death consequences. It really, really, really matters. What happens with our family and our friends and our neighbours and our colleagues and so on, where they are destined to be going. And we have to capture a sense of urgency about it. Here's a couple of ways to recapture that urgency. I would say make it personal. Every day I pray for Mike, Robin and Dennis, three men who live on my street, who I'm good friends with, who don't yet know Jesus, but I'm praying that they will come to know Jesus Christ as their Saviour and their Lord and they'll commit to him. I'm praying for their families. And I spend time with them. We're seeing when we get back, we'll be seeing them next week. So that, that's something to do every day because I believe in the power of prayer. And I would say to you, who are your three? Who are the three lost people known to you who are in your everyday life who you're praying for by name every day? You should be doing that. Second thing I'd say related to recapturing urgency is be willing to be outed as a follower of Jesus. So you can't be an undercover Christian any longer. You need to be not afraid to be known as a follower of Jesus. So that means you naturally chat about your faith in the same way that you naturally chat about your sports team or uh, your grandkids or your latest Netflix binge or whatever it is that you chat about. And then the third thing I'd say is actively seek to initiate spiritual conversations. So be proactive, don't just be reactive. Now that doesn't mean we have to suddenly start Bible bashing everyone, but what it does mean we, what we do is we are intentional. So we ask great questions about people's lives. And you know, one of the best ways that Hannah and I found to do this is when people are sharing about the ups and the downs, the joys and the stresses of life, uh, we will often say to someone, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? And we have found that simple question, can I pray for you, opens so many doorways. People are incredibly moved and incredibly touched that you would stop and take time to pray with them about a situation. You know, with thank, pray a blessing on their job or their career or the new baby, the new car, or it's saying, God, would you bring the healing or would you bring the provision or would you give us wisdom in how to parent or, or whatever it is the need is. And I promise you, I've never actually had someone who's not a Christian turn me down when I've offered to do that. And I've done it hundreds of times. So people love that. So, so seek to do that. So we're going to reveal the presence of God, Jesus. We're going to recapture the urgency of being a witness. And finally, we're going to reach the nations. 
reach the nations, because we have a call to the nations. God wants to redeem every tongue and race and tribe and country and culture and ethnicity. He loves all that diversity. His heavenly kingdom is this beautiful patchwork of sights and sounds and smells and texture and tastes and so on. Some of us are called to cross the oceans, but all of us are called to cross the street. Every one of us, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a missionary. If you're considering becoming a follower of Jesus, that's what the court deal is. You will be a missionary. You will be a sent one. And what often happens, I find, is that we get frozen into inaction by the sheer hugeness, the vastness of this task. But I want to say, just very simply, play your part. The way the nations are reached are person by person, family by family, house by house. So to start, who are those few people in your life that you can do this? Because God's mission always has a name on it. Because Jesus loves the individual. Jesus doesn't do scalp hunting, he does soul embracing. So I would just say, look who's around, who's in your life already. Who is Jesus already placed into your hands? You have relationships with. And just build those relationships. Pray for those people. Seek to minister to them. And seek to build those relational pathways. Pray your socks off and see what God would do. And just as I finish, I want to say this. Let's see God's kingdom come here in York as it is in heaven. Amen. Let's see what that could look like. Wouldn't that be incredible? The lives that would be transformed, the goodness of God that would be experienced. And it's, I, for me, that's something worth giving your life for. That's something that's worth investing into because that's going to be enormous fun. So much, so worthwhile. What a way to live our lives. Let's play our part in seeing God's kingdom come here in York as it is in heaven. So with that in mind, can we pray for that? Amen. Would that be all right? Yeah. So um, I think the worship team are going to come back up. But I'd like the rest of us, let's stand, and if you're able to. And I'm going to pray. And then we're going to have uh, the band will just lead us in our, our closing song. But let's take a moment to pray and ask God to do this in us. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you that uh, we have this incredible picture in revelation of your goodness, your renewed creation, the renewed heavens and earth. Thank you that at Christmas time we get to remember again that you are the God who comes to be with us. And you came to be with us at that first Christmas, but also through your spirit, you are with us now. And you commission us to represent you in your presence and your goodness. And we say, yes to this dream of in York as it is in heaven. Lord, we long to see more of your presence and your goodness and your life and your love come about. And so we pray now, Lord, as we step into this week ahead, as we step into this Christmas season, as we begin to make plans for 2022, that you would recapture our hearts with the the vision of what could be, how we are to invest 